Welcome everyone to episode four of the Siemens AM podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the thought leadership team here at Siemens. As you may know by now, my name is Ashley Ukoff, and I'm a member of the AM software team here at Siemens. And today we're continuing our conversation with Tad Steinberg and Trevor Ilston from Material Solutions. If you haven't yet listened to episode three, I encourage you to seek that out as we begin our conversation with Tad and Trevor over there. But for those who are coming in cold, Material Solutions is a print service shop who Siemens acquired a majority stake in back in 2016. Trevor is the chief technical officer for Material Solutions Limited and was one of the three founding members of the company. And Tad is the manager of Siemens Energy's additive manufacturing, business development, marketing, and sales. Welcome back, Tad and Trevor. Just to review where we left off, last episode we talked about the history of Material Solutions and what services you provide. Then we got into what your customers are doing with Additive, how you document the process for your customers, and we eventually got into some discussion about the future plans of Material Solutions. I'd like to start today by expanding upon that last subject just a little bit. You guys mentioned in episode three that one of the reasons for your expansion is the desire to add new materials or capabilities to your services. How difficult do you find it to add a new machine from a different vendor or new materials to your process? I often hear from other companies that it's a it's a pretty arduous thing that you have to go through the whole learning process again to figure out how to make that new material or that new machine really sing. Do you guys find that same thing? Is it difficult for you as well, or do you have it pretty well down? It's a mixed bag in a sense. So bringing in a new material of the same type, obviously depending on the alloy, can be more straightforward. So we process a lot of nickel super alloys, and depending on the alloy, adding another nickel super alloy can be relatively straightforward. But if you go to doing nickels to doing, let's say, uh, titanium or aluminium, they've got very different characteristics when they're in the additive machine. So you've got to learn how they respond to the additive process and optimize your your processing to suit very specifically those material types. And in terms of machines, moving from one machine vendor to another machine vendor does take a, a lot of learning. You get to learn the characteristics and the challenges and the good aspects of each machine type. And for a new one, then you, you will probably take you know, a good six months to a year to understand how that machine works, even with the same material, in terms of its characteristics. Have you found a lot of variation between machines of the same type and from the same vendor? I know in the early days, I'd hear people say, you know, we got this new machine from so-and-so. It's supposed to be exactly like our old one, but the firmware is different. And now we have to go relearn everything all over again. Is that still the way things are? Or are you guys finding it to be a little easier to go these days? You still have to take care of that. So you have to make sure that you've got your machines to a consistent standard going forward, be it the software, the setup, the calibration, and things like that to guarantee that you're getting consistent results out of the machines. So if, if you're not careful, you can find it a problem, but we do take that into account when we're setting up any new type of uh, capability. Do you guys have a consistent recalibration process time period that you go through as well? I've heard that from certain people as well. Yes, so we've kind of got preventative maintenance and uh, mm-hmm. process in place. So we, we do regular checks on some of the, the key process variables, and we also get the machine checked on a fairly consistent basis from the OEMs as well to make sure that they're performing as we'd expect. You know, on the software side, we talk a lot about industrialization of additive. So 
you know, it sounds like what you guys have done basically is, is taken the additive process and made it into an industrial process where you can print quality parts over and over and over again. Can you maybe give us a little bit more insight as to what it took for you as a company to get to that point, to get to where you could do serial production? I suppose it took many years of hard work and lots of learning to get to that point where you're doing serial <laughs> production. But it's putting in place a series of software tools to control and manage the manufacturing of the process and to record the output of it. So it's all done in a controlled and repeatable fashion. And I suppose the new part of the journey that we're on is, is trying to simplify those software processes that we use. So we in the early days, the software processes were all independent. They didn't talk to each other and you spent a lot of time transferring your information between one tool and the next tool. So as the technology has progressed, the software has moved forward considerably as well. And we're getting to the point where we're trying to simplify the software tools and packages that we use. So it's very simple to transfer it from one part of the process through to the next part of the process. So you get a seamless transition and you don't get all the translation errors or, or problems that that can cause. Yeah, that's something we're working really hard on on the software side as well. We'd love to see a world where STL files are never, ever seen again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You talked about materials earlier. You know, it seems to me that one of the, you know, in the early days, one of the knocks against additive was that there was a very limited set of materials. But, you know, over the past couple of years, it seems like I keep seeing more and more materials being added to the set of available materials to use. Are you guys kind of keyed in to what's going on in the materials world? Do you keep an eye on the development process, the research, and that sort of thing? And, and how do you deal with a new material when a customer asks you to print something you maybe haven't dealt with before? Yes, very much we do keep an eye on it. I suppose one of the unique things about material solutions, certainly when we started, is that we identified that there was a very limited palette of materials. So we, we quickly got into developing materials to suit the customer's needs. So that's one of the bases is the company that was founded on. And we still continue to do that today. There is a massive explosion in the range of materials that are being developed out on the market now, which is great for the technology, but it's also very difficult to keep up with in a sense. So we are definitely targeting our resources on materials that suit our customers' needs because to actually take a new material and, and to get it working well on a machine and, and qualify it to the point where the customers will accept it does take uh, quite a long time and, and a lot of resources. So we have to be very selective about which ones we do choose and take forward. Have you guys seen much about digital materials? I hear about that, you know, kind of periodically now where people are talking about using a, a base material, but altering the, the behavior of the material through, you know, printed structures. Do you guys see that sort of thing yet? Or is that still kind of on the horizon? That's still really on the horizon, I suppose, for us. The industries that we work with are generally relatively conservative, so it's, it's standard materials that they understand at the moment. But that sort of thing is interesting for the future. Yes, definitely. So in, in discussing the, the evolution of the industry as we have here, what do you think are the catalysts that are driving the adoption of additive manufacturing? And, and maybe even what do you think are the impediments as well? What, what do you think needs to happen to to really make this thing, you know, production ready for the world as opposed to, you know, unique companies like you guys that have done all the hard work? I suppose one of the catalysts we found, I suppose, comes back to climate change and the need for more efficient processes, especially for industrial gas turbine and aero engines or, or aerospace in general. 
So it was the need by regulation to reduce emissions and fuel burns and things like that was pushing people towards more and more innovative ways of designing their components. And additive was an enabler to allow them to come up with designs they couldn't manufacture conventionally. That was one of our first main drivers. And I suppose the continued reduction in cost of the process has allowed that to accelerate because it opens up a broader range of components that additive could be applied to. So just to add to that, one of the hurdles that I am seeing, both internal and external, is the mindset of taking on a new technology and the unknown there too. It kind of sounds bad to say, but I think additive will continue to develop and define through attrition or retirement of the folks that that approve the designs or approve the, the manufacturer, go towards CDR, whatever that might be. And I'm finding I don't like the way that looks, so therefore I'm not going to pass it. So I think those are some hurdles that we have to get through from a traditional mindset in order to continue to advance additive to make it, I guess, global. Yeah, I think that kind of goes into confidence, right? We're still in this place where a lot of people don't quite have confidence in the things they're seeing because they're so unique and different. And I think the more from what we're seeing, the more proof points we get in the market to show that these things are are working the way they're intended, are actually delivering the benefits that are expected. Uh, I think that helps a lot in that kind of regard. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, just to kind of circle back around to it. I had a conversation with Aaron Frankel about how how hard it is for a lot of the companies we talk to to get good quality output from their additive process. You guys seem to have a pretty good handle on that. Is quality something that you've sort of baked into your process at different steps? And what do you do to make sure that the the prints you're making and delivering to your customers have the quality that you and they need? Quality has been very important from the early days of Material Solutions. Our initial customers were aerospace focused. So over the years, we have built our quality system to meet with the intention of meeting their requirements. And we've started from the point that you won't naturally get quality out of these machines. You've got to learn the characteristics of the machines. You've got to control them well. You've got to put all the monitoring and checks in place and the preventative maintenance of the machines, as well as the complete manufacturing process to get to a point where you're consistently and reliably delivering quality parts out at the end of it. Have you found that software plays a role in that? Yes, very much so, in the sense that the software has got to be providing a good input to the machines. In the early days of of additive manufacturing, the slicing software and the checking software for the machines and the actual algorithms in the machines were not as good. So you had to spend a lot more time checking those before you would print anything. Nowadays, the software has moved on and software is very critical when it comes to production for the the collecting of all the data and monitoring of the process to make sure that you are achieving what you expect to achieve in the process. I'm pretty sure I heard you say earlier, you guys do things like non-destructive testing and quality assurance at the end of the process as well. Yes, yes. And then there are uh, there are certifications, right? Can you describe to us the certifications Material Solutions has and what those mean for your customers? We have a, a range of certifications. So we started out with ISO 9001 and quickly uh, got the aerospace AS9100 approval. And we've been developing that over the years. And very recently, we've got the NADCAP AM approval. 
So we're one of the handful of companies in the world that has that. And we're continuing to expand our approvals. And generally, that's along customer-based approvals as well. To add to that, if you think about some of the other industrial additive manufacturing specifications that are out there, such as AMS 7003 and some of the other additive-specific safety specs that are out there, that if you think about those, we keep abreast of all of those and we understand what they're asking. We understand how they apply to us and we understand where we are in the journey with regards to things like statistical process control and things that AMS 7003 asks for, but yet there isn't enough data to be able to actually adhere or abide by those particular requirements. When you guys approach a new requirement that you want to achieve, certification, I guess, you want to achieve, is that customer-driven or do you guys try to head those off at the pass? How do you handle you know, picking out which ones you go after next? It's usually a bit of both. So we're, we're looking at the landscape for the certificates and the approvals and seeing which ones are likely to be coming up and how they might be adopted by the industry. And if we think they're going to be the ones that are relevant to us, then we'll go through the process of uh, doing a gap analysis and see how it fits with our current quality systems and what we need to do to close those gaps and get us to the point where we're fully compliant. That also adds to our internal documents that we have that are set in place. They're internal documents that we've generated to control our own products and process for those products. And those are all set and maintained and updated as it makes sense to. All right. Very good. So if we turn our attention to further out in the future again, where do you see the additive business going in the future? What would you expect to see and what would you put on your roadmap? I mean, I kind of get, you know, get out your crystal ball here. Give us a little idea of where you think we're all going to be and uh, where you think you'll be five years from now. From a tactical perspective, less than five years, I think it's, it's a lot of the same. It's continuing to educate customers. It's continuing to develop the additive mindset and capabilities throughout advanced manufacturers throughout the world, if you will. I think strategically, as we move forward, I think material solutions will continue to grow and thrive. Part of the reason we built a facility in the UK was to expand, and we're not quite at full capacity from a, a machine perspective. The US, I think we will do somewhat similar. I think the strategic plan is to continue to grow. Again, that's not short term. I think five plus years is a good a good number to say strategically. I do think we'll grow, but we'll only grow at a at a level in which industry and business will permit. What we like to do is be able to see what customers are doing and where they're going and see if it makes sense and it it fits into our portfolio to be able to service those customers from that perspective. I don't foresee, at least short term, for us to get into anything other than what we currently do, powder bed fusion. That's what we know. That's our core. And I don't think we'll get into other technologies such as directed energy deposition or maybe polymers, but I don't foresee that in the near term. Trevor? The technologies that we uh, are constantly evaluating and looking for for business opportunities, but I agree, you know, in, in the near term, we'll be sticking to our core, which is the powder bed laser fusion and continuing to expand the sort of the offerings and hopefully even the markets that we offer it to as well. Well, that sounds awesome. And it's a good note on which to end today's episode. We definitely like to thank Tad and Trevor from Material Solutions for joining us again today. These two episodes have been really great, and I've enjoyed talking with you guys again. 
Of course, I'd also like to thank the Thought Leadership team here at Siemens who sponsors this podcast. And if you missed any of the previous episodes, they are available for download wherever you found this one. And uh, hey, if you like what you heard here, please leave us a comment or subscribe to the podcast. That tells us that uh, you like what's going on and you'd like to hear more. You've been listening to the Siemens Ad to Manufacturing Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Ashley Eckhoff, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>